We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. This episode is brought to you by Yellow Letter HQ. Head over to bit.ly slash yellow letter HD for fast, affordable, direct to seller marketing. Tired of real estate marketing campaigns that don't get results? Yellow Letter HQ is one of the most competitive direct mail campaigns that can save your budget and your sanity. They deliver a fast campaign turnaround that gets your phone ringing. Check out their services at bit.ly slash yellow letter HD. Well, we got Gino Barbaro on the line. And Gino, thanks again. We haven't talked in quite some time, so it'll be cool to catch up and see what you and, and Jake are working on right now. But why don't we start things off again? Um, I know some of the people are going to know you, but um, who you are, what you're doing, and and uh, definitely check out their websites. And you have a podcast as well. So Yes. Jack, thanks for having me back on. Uh, it's been a, been a while. I mean, things have changed, right? Pandemic. Oh, yeah. uh, you, you know, now we're going through all this, all this different kinds of nonsense. But for Jake and I, the pandemic taught me one thing, and it really taught me not to overreact. And when we got hit in March, all of a sudden, all our team members, our vendors, everybody's freaking out. And I'm saying, hold on a second. Nothing's really changed from one day to the next. I think our thoughts and our beliefs have changed, but at least let it take hold. Everyone's talking about this massive unemployment and massive shift, and no one had been talking about the stimulus package because it wasn't passed yet. So I think there's a lot of overreaction. So Jack, there's a couple things that I learned. The first thing is really sit down and use your thinking hats. Use your critical thinking. Don't overreact. Use an Use an analytical side to your brain, the emotional side, and the logical side. You need to use all three of those parts. And most people, unfortunately, I'm sorry, were not doing that. They were overreacting, laying off employees, cutting staff, cutting marketing. When, if you actually double down on your marketing in March and April, Facebook was real cheap because there was a lot less people advertising and you were getting much better advertising rates. We actually were getting our cost per click was down to insane rates, you know? So that's one thing. I think the other thing is you just need to be clear about what you're trying to accomplish. And for us, we saw during the pandemic, we became an essential business, you know, uh, the property management, but there's nobody able to go into the offices. So -hmm. you can't go into an office. How are you going to show an apartment unit? So what I, like I said, we didn't overreact. We thought about it. We said, we need virtual leasing. It was always on one of our quarterly, quarterly priorities and it kept getting kicked down the can, right? It kept getting kicked down the road. And finally, when it came through, we need it. And that's what we focused on. That was the priority. And we launched the virtual leasing and we were able to actually lease a lot of units over the last three months using that platform. Virtual leasing is great. It's only one tool in the toolbox for property managers. You still need the property manager that you still need the leasing agent, but it's a great way to qualify somebody. And you know, Gen Z, they're the ones on their phones that want to use that technology. So that's the future. So I think the pandemic actually brought that out upon us and said, Hey, how do you do that? And I think ultimately, finally, I, like I said, the overcommunication, we needed to overcommunicate with our entire community, whether it was, our, it was our residents, giving them the resources, letting them know where they could access money, letting them know that we're all in it together. I think our investors, letting let's pump the brakes on you know Q1 distributions because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, Q2, we distributed the money for Q1 and Q2, but 
give them the, the idea of what's going on. We created a daily tracker of, of daily collections on all our portfolio, and we saw that March was great. April is just as good. May was great. And now we're seeing June is doing good. But being transparent with the investors was important. And ultimately for our education students, being on and having me ask me anything every week, doing virtual meetups, having an enjoyable time with people and in the community and just being out there and over communicating. And then I guess the last thing, Jack, was we were having end of day huddles with our entire team. You know, 10 or 11 of us would get on and we'd share. Now, Jake and I, we're not the sharing type, but we're like, yeah, we did this. But our team members needed that. Our property managers were having rough times. You know, some of our employees were just going through some rough stuff. So getting together every day at the end of the day at 450, just letting them know, hey, this is what I did. I won this. I did a great job with this. And just sharing those wins really brought a lot of, um, a lot of energy to the team and it re really raised the morale. Sure. So when you're talking about, let's, let's back, there's a lot to unpack here. So mm. let's start with the uh, first thing you mentioned is, is doing the virtual showings and stuff. Mm -hmm. How did that work out? What technology did you decide to use? Um, sure. And uh, so, is it, is it something that is repeatable? Like, did you, did you, did you record videos and point people to videos for the mm -hmm. walkthroughs? What, how did that all work? So let me give everybody a little context. Maybe I should just, we should have just, uh, introduce myself. It was, it was part of Jake and Gino. We're a vertically integrated real estate company. So we have a property management company. We buy multifamily apartment units and we teach. We have an education arm and we have a syndication arm. So the property management is where we manage all of these units. And virtual leasing came about. It's actually fairly easy to do. It's just time consuming. You need to go to all the units. You need to record these videos and the videos are not the greatest quality. We're going to really upgrade it. We're going to put some drone shots and all, but just to get them online, you go to the units, you walk in, you do the videos of, of each of the unit unit styles and of every property. And we download them on YouTube and you put them on YouTube and then people go in and if they're looking for it, the leasing agent will say, here's the link to go watch the video. They watch the video of the, of the property like, okay, two bedroom, one bath. I like it. So that's a great way to communicate. And as we did it, we didn't even have a YouTube page for the property management because we are at 95, 96% occupied. It wasn't one of those things that we needed. So it wasn't a priority, but now that along with really revamping the website, making the website more interactive and easier to use and incorporating this virtual leasing with the videos and upgrading the videos and having floor plans and making it all look uh, interactive is something that we're going to do for this, for this, uh, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, idea. In fact, uh, I've been starting to take on a little of the property management ourselves here now, mm -hmm. trying to get something a little bit um, in the end, the only person who cares more about your property is yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but uh I'm actually getting people, especially properties near colleges. Uh, up until recently, I, I hadn't even uh, thought about doing these these type of videos. But mm -hmm. these younger people, they kind of expect it. Like, mm -hmm. so. And what, what I like about it too, Jack, is they qualify themselves. If they watch a video at one of our properties, they may be like, you know what? It's not a good fit for me. I'm not even going to come look at it. I'm not even going to sign the documents. I'm not even going to call back the property manager. If they do like it, great. Let's take it to the next step. You still have to sell them on, on the amenities and the features and the benefits, but at least you know that they're actually interested in the property. So for us, it's a great part of the customer journey. Some people may not want it, may not like it. Great. You just bypass it and say, hey, but when you're advertising a property, let's say you're advertising on Craigslist or you want to throw it on Facebook, you could throw the video up there and show them the video of the property. If they're interested, then they take the next step. Mm-hmm. So, so you were also saying that, uh, this is a, this was a 
good time where everybody wasn't using their critical thinking and they all mm-hmm. pump, pump the brakes. Like uh, what are besides, you know, like, let's start with the marketing. Mm-hmm. What did you do there? Other than it sounds like you, you uh, doubled down on maybe your Facebook or your social media marketing. Was there anything else you were working on? So for us, we actually brought marketing in house. We have, we're working with somebody specifically for the Jake and Gino for the education. We wanted to bring it all into one umbrella. We had one person doing Facebook ads. We had one person doing our, our infographics, one person doing memes. We wanted, we brought it all in house. We made a significant savings and it's a great cause it has one story. It has one message. And what I like about it, we're using different platforms. Now we're, we're going on Google. We're using YouTube for our branding and brand awareness. And we're using Facebook ads targeting for, you know, people to apply to work for the Jake and Gino community. So it really makes you focus. The other thing is we went through our subscriptions. You know, you get a little lazy and a little fat when times are great. Well, all of a sudden you cut back on your subscriptions and you see, do you really need all of these? Do you need Zoom? Do you need a GoToWebinar? Do you need an Adobe? Do you need all these, all these different platforms? And it makes you really sharpen your pencil. You get baselines on all of your different you know, entities of what you need for your monthly bills. So it gets you, gets you really thinking about your budget. And as far as going forward, we did not, uh, we did not let any of our employees go. Ironically enough, April 1st, we had to launch healthcare for the entire our company because we were over 50 employees and it was a Q1 priority. So this thing came out re- working on this months before the pandemic. And it was a little scary to be honest with you because you're adding on an additional cost, additional, but for the long term, our core values people first, we felt that that was a benefit that we wanted to offer our employees. And for us, we launched it April 1st. And I think our employees were really grateful that we did it. And one of those scary things, you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it's one of those, you just got to rip the bandaid off. And it's just one of those, you're building a brand, you're building a company, and it's all about the people. I don't know who said it. Uh, I think it was uh, Herb Kelleher from Southwest. He said the way he thought about it was his employees were first. Then it was the then it was the uh, customers and finally the shareholders. So I think anyone have a successful entity, you really got to take care of your people because then ultimately your people will take care of your customers, and then your customers through paying you and making you wealthy are going to take care of the shareholders. So I love that, and that's that's what I think Jake and I took from this whole pandemic. If we take care of our employees, if we take care of the people working with us, and we sacrifice, but we make them lives their lives better, and we empower them, and we come up with all these solutions, ultimately it's going to make our business better, and then ultimately it'll make the people in our community better also. Right. So since the last time we chatted, your business has grown quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so would you would you say since a year ago have you have you almost doubled in size or? Uh, I don't think doubled. I think what ended up happening, Jack, is we woke up and we're like, we need some systems here, <laughs> right? Yeah, when, you're, yeah. when you're buying properties, it's one thing and you're adding to a portfolio. But when then you start adding additional streams of revenue, right? Whether it's you're syndicating more. Now you have a thousand investors you need to take care of. Or you're adding more properties on. You have more residents you need to take care of. So you're hiring more property managers. And you want to really, what we've done in the last year is we really focused on our core values and our mission statement and, and our culture for the company because you're really hiring and firing from that. And for us, it's, it's, it's easier because once you onboard an employee, you want to keep that employee as long as possible. And even more importantly, you want them in the right spot. You want, you know, property manager in the right spot. You want to hire the right maintenance staff because that turnover is like having an apartment unit. You'd rather have the tenant renew or the resident renew instead of having to turn that apartment and losing time. So it's the same with the employees. We've worked on that, that aspect of our business and really focusing in our, on our core values. Sure. So out of all of the people that you, you started bringing in house, what have you seen has had the biggest impact? 
for us, it's been the property managers. We, we don't really want to hire for experience. Our two of our most, you know, I would I don't want to say popular, but two of our rock stars, they both came from Roots Chris Steakhouse. They had the hmm. customer service mentality, and you can learn the property management. Property management is not difficult. We've ha- we've hired from other companies, and we've learned some of their systems. But what we've learned is they've come with their own culture, their own mindset of how things are done. And I think in this day and age, you're always learning. There's always a better way to do something, right? You're always, as a leader, you're there to listen to everybody and then make the tough decision. I think that's what leaders are. And when you're hiring from all different areas, ultimately you want to get some of their experience, but then you want to say, this is how we need to do it. So for us, the property managers are frontline, they're frontline employees. When you walk into an office, that's the first person you see, or when you pick up the phone, that's the first voice you hear. So it's important really to train them up. And we launched a training platform for our maintenance staff too. Maintenance staff is another one. They're very difficult to find good maintenance staff, but when they walk into a unit, they're representing your brand. So, you know, launching that platform, to, uh, for the for the training and then actually having them go through it is a different thing. You have to be a salesman in every aspect of your business. Just because you think something's great and it's going to make the business better, you have to convey to your employees why is it good for them. What's in it for them is ultimately you know how you have to convey selling any idea to a to an employee. Right. No, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I I've been. Finally, you know, this is this this is almost embarrassing, but I've been reading that Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh-huh. Um, for some reason, that's I always thought that book was old school, and and I'd Same eventually get around to it, you know, kind <laughs> uh-huh. of a thing. Um, but you know, I read I read so many books, but I, I've always pushed that one off to the to the side. And and one of the things that you you mentioned doing your mission statement. Uh, you know, that's, that's awesome because it, you know, it kind of helps steer the, the entire ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought it was interesting that he, he brought it down to uh, not only uh, like individual team, team should get together and have their mm-hmm. own mission statements, but mm-hmm. individually we should have mm-hmm. our own mission statements. Uh, and we talk about that, me and my wife on our multifamily zone podcast, because people don't understand running a business is like running a family. I mean, both of them need structure. Our kids need boundaries, right? As they get older, the boundaries get bigger, right? But they want structure. And when you have structure, you have discipline. And when you have discipline, you have happy kids. I think it's the same thing with running an entity, running an organization. We have daily huddles in the morning. We have end of days in the the evening. We have weekly what we call level 10 meetings with all of the different organizations. It's constant communication and it's constantly, you know, rewarding people, constantly showing up for them. And it's the same thing with the family. I mean, honestly, you need to have a mission statement for your family and you need to have, I would say, core values for your family. I mean, I'm trying, we're teaching our children our core values and we want them to know what they are. And ultimately, you know, you talk about those boundaries. Children need to have boundaries. They, they can't go run wild because if you don't give them boundaries, they'll do what they want to. Then you end up yelling and screaming at them. But they're like, mom, dad, you didn't tell me what to do. I just did what I wanted to do. So laying down the law and having that, that boundary for kids. And as they get older, obviously those boundaries will, will get bigger and bigger. But letting them know when they step out of line and letting them know when they, when they do a good job, it's the same thing as running a business. It really is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting, especially since you've been growing and, and now pulling everything in house. How many, how many doors are you managing now? We have 1,600 units right now under management. We have 1,000 of them are our own, just me, Jake, and my partner, Mike. And we have another 600 units 
that are syndicated and we manage them all. We're within a three hour radius of Knoxville. So we like, you know, we're considered what we call vertically integrated. And for us, it works. We probably could have gotten a lot bigger if we went third party property management, but we said, you know what, let's keep the control because for us and for me, especially, I don't know if I've told you this, but for me, this is truly important. Um, I don't care how big I get. I don't care how many doors I have. For me, it's revenue is vanity, profit margin, sanity, and cash is king. I'd mm -hmm. rather buy a deal that makes a lot of sense and it's going to make us wealthy than buy three deals that are uh, marginal. So revenue is vanity. Write this down, everybody. I want you all to write it down. Profit margin is sanity and cash is king. And that's what's happening during this pandemic. If you bought right, you're going to be okay. But if you overpaid and you're sitting there, it's going to come back and bite you. So when people are saying, well, I want to grow, why do you want to grow? What makes you want to grow for us being complimentary and having all those different revenue streams, whether it was the education, the syndication, the property management, we're even doing mortgages for our students. They all work really, really well. So we don't need 5,000 to 10,000 units on the management that have a create a really great lifestyle and to create great businesses that can work independent of each other, but work really well together at the same time. So when you're creating your business plan, don't grow just for the sake of growing. I mean, grow and have a reason why you're growing. And for us, we're not trying to buy too many deals a year because we have to absorb those units in-house. We have to scale up our property management. We don't want to stress the system. And that's why when we look at a deal, it has to fit our criteria. It has to fit our buying parameters. Yeah. So when you were talking earlier, you know, uh, people overreacting mm -hmm. uh, about the situation, I think uh, there might be some people overreacting, thinking that they, they might uh, bend their personal buying requirements because in the mind they, they think that this is the time to get a deal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we all have to just, like you said, use that critical thinking and make sure those numbers truly, really work. Mm -hmm. I think right now in real estate it is crucial to understand where you are in the market cycle and what market you're in. Because if you're looking in New York City, if you're looking in the Northeast, those markets are going to be a lot different than looking in the Southeast because, you know, of the policies and regulations that are in place. Also, the demographic shifts, the migratory shifts, the jobs that are leaving. So you really need to know where you are. I mean, there's a big difference between Louisville, Kentucky, where we have deals in Tennessee, in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. The, the governor in Louisville said, you know what, no evictions till July. We haven't been able to evict. Now there's going to be an onslaught of evictions where our collections are a little bit slower in Louisville, whereas in Tennessee, they've been extraordinarily strong. So I want everybody out there, you have to really figure out what market you want to be in. And I think right now, you know, the, the climate of, of, of business friendly climates, you, that's what you want to look for. You want to look for landlord friendly. You want to look for business friendly. And you want to look to see where people are moving. That's, I think that's one of the keys right now. Uh, and you can see what's going on as opposed to, you know, a blue state, which a lot of them are still shut down or a red state, which a lot of them are open. They've bounced back a lot of these red states The jobs are open. There's vibrancy going on and they're going to, these people are going to be able to pay their rents. So that's what going forward, I think people need to focus on. Don't focus on the macro where everyone's saying, Oh, there's deals out there. There may be deals in some markets, but some markets like down here in San Augustine, Florida, the residential market is on fire down here because everyone wants to move here from New York. They want a second home down here. Mm -hmm. And so people don't assume, and you know, the real estate market lags. There's a few months lag time of what's going on. It's not like the stock market where it's instantaneous. It takes a little time for sellers to say, wow, I'm not getting my price. I need to adjust. And brokers getting through the sellers thick skulls to say, you know what? Your property is not worth 1.4 million. It was worth that two months ago, but now it's worth around a million dollars. So, and the idea that, you know, all these entities are 
changing, whether it's Fannie and Freddie with their lending requirements and adding, needing more reserves, you need to know all that because that will affect no, that will affect pricing. So I think there's a couple of benefits and a couple of keys to multifamily right now. I think interest rates are going to be super low for the foreseeable future. Uh, all this money that's sloshing around, this stimulus money has got to find a, it's got to find a home. It's got to find a place to invest. I think people intuitively know that the stock market, it, it's a risk. It's a gamble, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's almost like a Ponzi scheme, right? You have no control. And I think multifamily with it being a hard asset and with people needing a place to live, I think, it's been a vehicle for a few years. You throw in the cost segregation and the tax benefits on top of that. I think it's just a great place for money to be, uh, to be attracted to. So yeah, with, with that, you know, you, you already said that you uh, had to adapt your, your property management mm -hmm. regarding the whole coronavirus and COVID thing. Like what, what has changed regarding your acquisition? Did you slow down a little bit or are you just full steam ahead regarding acquiring right now? We're still underwriting deals, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. Pricing has not really come down. And it, why would it come down? Because there's still demand. Residents have paid rents for the most part in a lot of those markets. People are not buying homes. So what are they doing? They're renting, right? And I think cap rates really haven't adjusted upwards at all. They really haven't. They've stayed where they were. And, you know, that's what I was saying, Jack, before the doom and gloom. Everyone out there back in March was predicting May is going to be the month for rents. Nobody's going to pay. So if you had that premise, guess what? People were going to unload their properties in March. And but the buying opportunities haven't been there, right? And those institutional assets, they're looking for these deals. They've got a lot of capital. You still have 1031 money out there and you still have a lot of capital out there. So that's why the pricing hasn't adjusted. I think certain markets will in the next few months, especially if people aren't paying their rents and you have people leaving those, those states. But I think where we are positioned, Knoxville home prices, I think over the last 12 months have gone up 7%. I mean, the average home back in 2015 was like $140,000. Now it's over $200,000 for the average home. That's great for multifamily because that means I can continue to raise my rents because mortgage payments are going up. So if you see mortgages going up and house values going up, that means it's more expensive. That means people continue to rent because they're like, why would I buy a house if it's going to cost me more to buy one than the rent one? That's the mentality of the renter. So for us, it's a benefit. Sure. Do you think we're still on the, we're going to maybe still see an adjustment or do you think we pretty much, it's just like in my market, things have slowed down a little bit, but we haven't really, like you said, I haven't seen much of a price change. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with jobs. I think if you're in North Dakota, there's shale, oil. I mean, there's parts of Texas that if they're really dependent upon oil and natural gas, that may be a hit. Um, if there's a lot of uh, industries like, say, Orlando, where you have a lot of hospitality, you have a lot of you know tourism, a lot of travel, those markets may really get affected. It may take six months to 12 months for them to come back. But if tenants have that stimulus money and they have unemployment, they still have the ability to pay rent. So it's really, we're in an awkward time to be completely honest with you. I'm trying to still wrap my mind around what's going on. I think the government stepping in really helped and stabilize the, uh, the, the markets themselves. If a lot of these cities can open up in the next couple of months and people have the confidence to go out and not be afraid of this virus and start flying again. I was in the airport two weeks ago. Last week I had a quarterly meetings in Knoxville. I, I flew through Charlotte. I was amazed at how many people were in the airport. I was flabbergasted. I was actually, I was actually happy. I mean, people were wearing face shields and all those funny masks and everything, but they were out traveling. They were doing their business. Half, half of the airport was closed with restaurants and all. So all it did was all the other restaurants were twice as full. So lines were out the door, but it seems like I think people 
just need to get back to life. I think they just want to get back to it. And I think those markets that are open, like the Texas, like the Atlantas and Georgias and like the Floridas and the Tennessees, they, they've, they've taken the hold. And we've seen, like I said, collections are, collections are there. We've actually had rent increases. A couple of our properties, we've stopped with the rental increases, but there's been a couple where the demand has been there. We've raised them 3%. So. Mm-hmm. So, so where do you think, you know, everybody's looking for the opportunity right now. I think there's a fear of missing out uh, regarding put mm-hmm. opportunity and stuff going on right now. Is there as opportunity, is there something that people are missing that they should maybe think about and focus on right now? I think two things for me, the opportunity for everybody out there right now is to ask yourself this question. Are you building your own dream? That's the first question. And five years ago, I wasn't building my own dream. Now is the perfect time to get some kind of of personal development in. And it's now the time to work on yourself. That's really important. And I know it might be a difficult time. Join a mastermind. Find some friends out there that are like-minded. Get an accountability partner because I know it's hard because you hear all this negative media all the time. And if you're on that merry-go-round, you'll get sucked in. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. My partner is Jake Stenziano. He is a make it happen guy. He works all the time and we're always constantly talking to each other. So I talk to Jake all the time and we're constantly working on our businesses, working on ourselves, trying to make ourselves better. So I'm blessed from that regard. So I think everybody out there needs to reevaluate their themselves, maybe find a life coach, maybe work on getting clarity on your life on really ultimately what it is you want because you know your behaviors, they're belief driven. If you believe that things are going to happen and they're going to be negative that your, your behavior is going to be, you know, actually go towards that. But my, my beliefs are, we're just going to get out of this and we're going to be even better. So my behaviors are working on personal development, getting on the webinars to learn how to build my business better, working on neuro-linguistic programming, working on my speaking, working on making the Jake and Gino education better. And ultimately it makes me a happier person because I'm working towards my sole purpose. So I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big opportunities. I think the next big opportunity, maybe you can get some SBA loans out there, get liquidity, recapitalize yourself. See this as an opportunity to work on your balance sheet because this will happen again sharpen the pencil on your business and really work, you know, in the business, but also work on the business. And that's what we've been doing with our systems, with our culture and really setting up those quarterly priorities. I think we can really start working on that. It'll make yourself better going in for the long term. Yeah. You and I, before the show started, we, we were chatting about how uh, now is the time that you should likely be busier now than you ever Mm -hmm. have been. Mm-hmm. If you're, if uh, you find that you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for something to happen, I think that's a strong indication that that's the way you were prior that's to right. the, the coronavirus as well. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I would, not, I, I would echo what you're saying quite, quite heavily. I'm not telling everyone to crawl under a rock and not pay attention to what's going on, but I'm going to be completely honest with everybody. Waste, stop wasting time scrolling through Facebook because you, you, if you're going to pick an argument with somebody, it's really, you're really sucking time. And when you, when you get off that, scre- that thread and you're like, you're pissed off, are you going to really go work on personal development? You're probably going to stew for the next two hours. So do yourself a favor. Don't even engage. Just look at it and say, you know, I feel sorry for that person. Don't judge anybody, but just take care of yourself because that's not serving you. Um, I, I, I not on that at all. I'm not looking at Facebook at all. And it doesn't bother me because I can't change anything. I, can't, I don't want to change the way somebody feels or the way somebody thinks. I need to work on myself. And if I can work on myself, make myself better, it'll make my team better. And then ultimately my team will help others get better. Right. Well, so if, if somebody was looking to get into multifamily investing, 
Like what are some of those initial, especially right now, uh, those, those easy, quick implementations and, and rules of thumb that they maybe should uh, consider before jumping in head first, because we, we deal with a lot of single family home buyers, mm-hmm. you know, frankly, and, and it's always this mindset that that's getting multifamily. That's the dream. That's the next step. You know, that's what they're gunning for. So, um, and I know for a fact that single family home doesn't necessarily transition well to multifamily investing. So mm-hmm. what are some of those, what are some of those things they should keep in mind? I'm going to try to repeat a quote from Mark Twain. I just heard it, saw it the other day and it's so pivotal to what everyone's thinking. It, it goes something like this. It's not what you don't know that'll hurt you. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And if you really stop and think about that for the single family home investor, they're like, I can't get into multifamily. I need money. I mean, there's no way I'm going to do that. Well, do you really need that? I mean, is that your, you have to change your thinking. That's the first thing. Cause when I started in a multifamily, I didn't know syndication. I really didn't know creative financing techniques. I didn't really know about partnering. I didn't know about a lot of these things and not knowing that could have really hurt me because I didn't know that, right? I was just assuming that you needed a lot of money to get in the multifamily. So the first thing is challenge your beliefs. The second thing is go on websites, start doing some, you know, initial investigating, go on bigger pockets, go on YouTube, start Googling multifamily and start seeing what makes it so attractive. And then see the guys that are doing it. Jake and Gino are just a pizza guy and a drug rep five or six years ago. That's what we were five or six years ago. And if we can do it by making a few tweaks, by doing a few different things differently, by challenging our limiting beliefs and saying, you know, it's not just about the money. Multifamily is really a business. You really want to scale up. There's so many benefits to it. There's economies of scale. There's the ability to partner. There's the ability to grow a business and to invest in an asset where you have a business where you can start, you know, onboarding employees and take some of that workload off and really focus on the business aspect of it. Not just the landlording aspect of it, but really grow multiple streams of revenue. I think that's what you should be out there doing. As far as starting, listen to podcasts, read books, find mentors out there who are doing it and say, you know what? I want their results. How did they do it? And start listening to them and start taking cues from them because success leaves clues. That's the bottom line. And I think everyone thinks they have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to learn certain techniques on on how to do the business. We call it the buy right, the manage right, and the finance right. That's our three-step framework. That's what multifamily is all about. And you can transition that into single family also. If you're buying the asset right, you manage it and you can finance it. I mean, there's obviously nuances to each one of those, but just breaking it down, it's actually not, it's surmountable. And I think the last thing I think people need to understand why are they doing something? If single family is working for you, that's great. If you want multifamily, why are you doing it? Reasons reap rewards. You need to have enough reasons to be able to do something. I wanted multifamily because I wanted some passive income from the restaurant. I didn't want to just have my restaurant income, but it grew into something so much bigger, right? I could actually leave my restaurant. So that passive income and that having that secondary business is one of the reasons why I got into it. So really it comes back to assessing your life, what your goals are, and then saying to yourself, if these guys did it, so can I. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since you had owned a restaurant previously, I I can't even imagine what some of those small businesses are going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, previously they were shut down altogether. And in my part of the world, they're still trying to do the social distancing. So most of the places can only be occupied 25, 50% at most. 
and you can't make money at 50%. So that, that's one of the things with, with real estate, with multifamily, especially we talk about the four benefits. It's cash flow, which is really important, right? It's tax benefits. You have the appreciation. And then the fourth one, which I want everyone to write down, it's cycle resiliency. People need a place to live and, and they're not closing the apartments down. Now, some places may take a hit where not, people aren't paying rent, but eventually they're going to pay rent. It's like, you know, you're looking at the Amazons, the Targets, look at all the Walmarts, look at all the businesses that are thriving. They're the basic essential needs right now. So that's why I was blessed to actually put a plan into action and say, you know what? If the restaurant faltered, I would have had some other assets to be able to pay. But for me, I just accelerated and I decided to ultimately, ultimately leave. Um, that's why it's funny, Jack. We didn't talk about the restaurant. For me, I loved it for the first 15 years. I did. It was great. I worked with my father and I worked with my family. But then when my dad passed away back in 07, looking back at that saying, you know, am I building someone else's dream? Was I building my dad's dream or was that my dream ultimately? And, you know, not having him there and just being by myself in the kitchen and not really enjoying it anymore, I reassess myself. So I think everyone out there right now, now's a time of reflection. And it, reflecting is really hard. And I'm, I'm just coming to these realizations in the last year, year and a half, going through Father's Day and thinking about it. So it's hard working on yourself because just you're peeling back the layers of the onions and you're going, wow, I did this for so many years because I was doing it maybe for somebody else, not for my benefit. And it's never too late. It's never too late to say, you know what? I enjoy that part of my life, but there's so much more that I can do and I want to do. And that's what I think I ended up ultimately doing. And that's why I used the Great Recession. The Great Recession was a really tough time for a lot of people, including myself. I was working harder. I was making less. I feel less fulfilled. The internet was coming on. You had Grubhub. You had all these franchises taken a little bit away. The same thing's happening right now. So there's going to be a great transfer of wealth right now. Are you going to be part of that transfer of wealth? Or are you going to be sitting around saying, you know what? I'm really scared. There's no opportunity here. The problem ushers in the opportunity. And, you know, ultimately the problem of my dad passing away and leaving me gave me the opportunity to reflect and to say, you know what? There's more out there for me. So I want everyone to use the pandemic right now. It's a huge problem. But what are their opportunities? There's a lot of opportunities out there right now. And one of them is to work on yourself and to really dig down deep and see what you want out of your, what you want out of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake, I, or I mean, Gino, I'm sorry. I think of you two as, as one entity. We are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if uh, there's just so much f to cover and I know you, you two have do such a fantastic job uh, communicating, especially regard with your, with your students. If, if people were looking for more information or how to join your program, where do they start? Where did, where would they find you? Well, I think everyone just, you know, I want everyone to write down the websites, just jakeandgino.com. Just go to the website. We have tons of blogs there. We have tons of podcasts. We do four weekly shows. So we have podcasts ranging from, you know, syndication to family and home to actual our students closing deals, which is movers and shakers. And then we have the, the Wheel of Our Profits um, podcast, which is going to eclipse 2 million downloads, I think, in the next month or so. So, you know, we've been doing it for a while. There's a lot of education out there. It's, it's about motivation. It's about inspiration. It's about guidance. And it's about work ethic. Those four things that I, I think our podcast will help you throughout this time and give you clarity. Um, just go to jakeandgino.com. You'll see all those resources there. Yeah. And I can't say enough about your podcast. It, it, uh, there's so much information that you guys so freely give out that, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just a great place to start, especially mm -hmm. if you're interested in the multifamily investing. Thank you. So 
I really appreciate your time again. I hope we can do this on a more frequent basis and not wait another year. Let's not wait another year, three months. Let's <laughs> jump back on in three months. I'd love to. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Gino. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Take care, everybody. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com slash investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is First Come, First Serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com slash investors. I don't like to tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice. <laughs>